This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. And I'm Emily Wood, also from Wellington, Florida, and you're listening to a special jumping edition of Horses in the Morning on Horse Radio Network for Tuesday, March 5th, episode 2132, brought to you today by Essequestrian. Good morning, Horse World. Good Tuesday morning to you, and I do mean a good Tuesday morning. Well, if you insist on being accurate about it. You know, only somebody with perfect comedic timing could produce this much energy in one shot. You gotta learn that your time in the saddle ain't as rough as a life in between. And the fence isn't there for you to straddle. And you can't change horses in the middle of your dream. It's Emily and Caroline back first Tuesday of every month with the jumping edition of horses in the morning. Very happy to be back. Thanks for coming back, Caroline. Again, you're, 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 you're racking up the, the episodes here. You're kind of like a regular now and you have a microphone (laughs) slowly, but surely and a new computer and a new computer, which poses, you know, all the password changes and and relogging on and everything like this. But no, but I think this is good. We're having a blast setting up these shows for you all. We have a good show lined up today. We have Miss Cindy Elmore Griffith, who has been a foster to many, many a pot cake dogs. We'll hear about exactly what those are shortly. And we have Jay Duke. We're going to check in with him on his training lessons and clinics on what's new. And last but not least, we have a few listener questions to go through. So you guys enjoy the show. Well, it's been a little bit of a, a, a busy positive somewhat discouraging at times month oh, i don't want to uh, we, we we haven't checked in with y'all since the super bowl that was awesome everybody was excited we had the jerseys on for, well, we for were too very, long. very excited that day we're, yeah yeah and then coming it's off a rough week <laughs> we're, coming, we're currently coming off a little bit of a rough week uh circuit down here at wef is in full swing um which are we at now I have no idea. This is about the time and circuit where everything becomes a blur. <laughs> I have no idea. I know we're, I don't think we're in double, we're not in double digits yet. No, I don't think not yet, but probably we're getting, getting there, there at some stage. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, it's, it's been, it's been, it's been a lot of work, a lot of trials. I have to say this year, um, cause we do primarily sales. Uh, you know, we have some personal horses and things like that and the breeding and whatnot. Um, but a lot of the horses are, are marketed for sale and, like, I mean, the amount of trials that we've done is kind oh, of crazy. And like, busy, busy, busy. it's busy, 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 but it's that outcome. time of year. Well, it's yeah, so but good. it's that time of year because everybody's like, let's see what everybody has. And people are flying down to try. But then everybody also knows that if you just wait, you know, another month, obviously you're gambling because somebody could just buy the horse. But if there's something that you like and by the end of circuit and everyone has to start paying shipping fees and stall deposits, you know, going north, you can get a better deal. So it's kind of that like weird time. It's always like this for me. I feel like in the middle of circuit, you're like, I'm working really, really hard, but I'm like running in place or something like we're like not like getting like traction or like making progress. But we are we are we're discouraged. 
we had a little bit of a, a rough week with the, for a variety of different things, trials, you know, clients, whatever. Um, but we're getting closer. And I do think uh, one really positive thing, uh, I don't know exactly how this is all going to end, but we have a really cool little horse that we're working with in our barn right now um, is a polo pony or was a polo pony. It's not a pony. It's way well, too big. <laughs> exactly, we start there. there. <laughs> right. Not a pony. A polo horse. <laughs> Polo horse, the thoroughbred polo horse that also did the mounted pistol shooting. Right. And I mean, that's actually super cool. She is very cool. And she's quite pretty. We're going to be posting her video on Facebook. So she's a nice uh, hunter project for somebody for sale. Um, She's cute. Chestnut mare, really, really sweet, sweet disposition. And we literally taught her to jump, what, like two months ago now? Oh, yeah. I mean, her main complaint coming off the polo is she didn't gallop. And we love that. Turn her into the hunter. I know, exactly. She was so good, though. I mean, slow-footed, we'll take it. I know, but like, I mean, for what she's done, and the, and we did kind of like our program with her. We do the Pessoa rig, we do some weighted boots, you know, all kind of the little exercises that we share with y'all on your horses. We do those, um, and she's her whole top line. I mean, she legit, I, even, even if she wasn't successful at it, she looked like a polo pony when we started, you know? She had like the U-neck and, you know, the I don't the know why line. we didn't do before and after because we could We should have. It was just so bad looking, you know? No, nobody wanted to take a photo, you know? <laughs> we wanted to just forget that that ever happened to poor treasure. But either uh, which way, we should definitely post. Transformation. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely will. So we're going to post her little video. She's so cute. She's getting her changes. She's jumping. And the little mare really has like three foot six scope. We took her to the horse show. She was out there at the big boys and the $20 ring jumping around like a champ. So that's fun. I think we're going to, you know, I think if that's like really encouraging, like part of this week, <laughs> I'm trying to latch onto something. Treasure is coming along. She's definitely done a 180. She, she has. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody at the farm that met her when she first got there, when I first taught her how to lunge, uh, that was exciting. Yeah. That day. And cross tie. And how to stand on cross ties. And uh, yeah, they're all just shocked at the transformation. So we're doing it. And we actually have the other polo pony. Right. And we have another polo next. pony in the wings here. I don't know. We, yeah. We're becoming sort of like <laughs> the, the, the polo pony retread people, I guess. But the one thing that's complicated is because a lot of these polo ponies don't really have papers and they're not jockey club tattooed. So that's, we got to figure out what she qualifies for right. uh, <laughs> as being a thoroughbred. Everybody we talk to, they're like, wait a minute. No, I think they're off the track incentive programs. We're like, well, she did. She did. She was the polo variety. She was a polo and a pistol thoroughbred. <laughs> Does she not qualify for any incentive classes? She is a thoroughbred. Uh, so, but we'll see. But yeah, like, you but guys. Can't she just do normal classes too? She can do normal classes, and she jumps so cute. She she could. Yeah. Hold so you know, in there, regardless, she would be cute for anybody to take into, you know, a hunter ring. Yeah, she could probably and thoroughbred or non-thoroughbred, whatever she qualifies for. We don't know as it turns. Yeah, out. well, she's certainly looking better, and so we can feel positive about that. The top line is coming up. She, I mean, she's a big girl, huh? You think she's sixteen, maybe she's sixteen one or something? Probably. 16 she's just like one. wide. She's, she's big like barreled. Big barrel, big shoulder. Yeah, she's super cool. So we're going to post that. You guys have to check out our, our Facebooks. We posted on either Emily Wood or Caroline Hothart. Um, but we've got a cute little video of her jumping around at the horse show and different things we're going to edit. So that was fun. I think that's a good takeaway of our, our rough week. We are, we are successful in our polo pony endeavors. Right, so far. polo transformation. Which, you know what? We got another one lined up. We got another one. And you know what? To be honest, I don't really see a lot of people doing it. So we're kind of like pioneers, you know? I mean, this we had true. one. 
and everybody was like, that's hilarious. That's so cool. It's like a novelty. You know, people want to come see her. But then all of a sudden, lo and behold, another one of our friends adopted a failed polo pony. So it's like, and she's you know, cute too. Another man. She's really cute. I know. And she's like, big. she I don't is know. small. She's, she's, she's definitely she's small. small, but she's the same thing. Like I don't, they're just uh, the she's shoulder and the nice. hip is so yep. big, you know, it's yeah. not like a spindly little, you know, thoroughbred, you know, sometimes you see the really, the really slight ones. I mean, they're, they're big. I mean, in a way they're, they're wide and square. So yeah, y'all stay tuned. We're, we're the polo pony girls. Now we're getting and them that jumping. One, we, we will post before and after. Right? Yes. <laughs> we'll, we'll be able to get exactly. We'll be able to actually document it. It was so crazy the way that mayor looked. I couldn't even fathom taking a picture of it. We we're just every day. Like, is she looking better yet? <laughs> but she is, she is our girl treasure. She's so so sweet. she is so sweet, so but stay yeah, no, tuned. Stay tuned. We'll we'll post on that. And so we have we're going to end up calling our first guest here, Cindy Elmore Griffith, who is a friend of Caroline as well, and actually the wife of our very good uh, friend and vet, Dr. Griffith, who we've had on before. We'll have on again. He has some d- interesting treatments that are very successful with these horses that he does. But uh, well, and I got my pot cake dog. Well, exactly. I was going to say people are probably thinking like, what are they talking about? What is a pot cake? So we're going to find that out when we <laughs> we're call find Cindy. Out. Caroline does have a pot cake. I mean, to be honest, we're all a little bit vague on exactly what it is. So uh, Cindy's going to clarify here, but let's give her a ring. And welcome, Cindy Elmore Griffith. Uh, First time on the show, but your husband has been on before. Today, you're going to talk to us about pot cake dogs, right? That's right. I'm really excited to have the opportunity to... uh, to educate and um, bring to light these pot cakes to the public that doesn't know anything about them. Right. Or even you like I was the name. Like I right. was three years <laughs> <You know>. ago. <laughs> so where does the name come from? Let's I think we should start there. <laughs> and we don't um, know what the they name are. comes from uh, what's stuck to the bottom of a pot that you cook in is called a pot cake. And so the Bahamians make a lot of rice and beans and reheat it. And then what's stuck at the bottom that they can't eat, they'll set outside for these feral dogs. So they got the name uh, pot cake. And in the late 70s, uh, they became a registered Bahamian breed and they call them royal pot Bahamian pot cake so if you googled them they would be under royal Bahamian pot cake and so is every uh street dog in the Bahamas they fall under the name pot cake or is it something specific about them um in general yes there's there's, lately there's been some pit bulls over there that they're, the Bahamians are breeding into the pot cakes to make a hunting dog. And also I was told uh, recently they're breeding, but not into the pot cake. They're breeding Shih Tzus because they're trying to sell them. But generally the ones uh, with those dogs, I think they hunt boar. Oh, wow. I mean, so Caroline's pot cake is certainly big enough. Through, <laughs> yeah. I've had a couple 
come through that they actually call them pot pits because they're half pot cake, half pit bull, but they're rescues. So I think what they do if they're breeding one, breeding for, um, they don't really breed. They just don't believe in spaying and neutering. So if they have a litter and they, there's one that's choicey for some reason or another that they think it'd be a good hunting dog, they'll keep it and then they dump the rest. Which is so uh, sad. There's dumps. There's dumps around town and they, they just cast them out. They also, um, I have a girlfriend over there that is one of the main volunteers at the shelter and she'll get a call that there's puppies swimming where they'll throw them off a seawall. So there's no chance for them to get out of the water. Yeah. They've been. And that's the Abaco shelter, right? Down there. Yeah. That she works at. The Abaco shelter. It's, it's in treasure K in the Bahamas, but there's a lot of abuse going on. So, you know, maybe they'll breed, they'll, they'll find one that they like because it's, got traits for hunting but then the rest are cast out so generally the ones roaming the streets are all going to be pot cakes in one way or another because they're a feral dog that's a mutt that doesn't have a home and they breed so there's a lot of starvation that the average lifespan of the pot cake that lives on the street is three years Oh, wow, that's the true. ones that get adopted is 10 to 12 years, just like our, our regular dogs. Right. I didn't realize there were so many and you fostered like just in the time that Caroline got her pot cake. And obviously uh, your husband, Dr. Griffith is, is our vet. So we're, uh, we're friends on Facebook. So we do see there's quite a, quite a volume just in the case, in the time that we've all yeah. known each other, but how many really have you fostered and brought in to, uh, to Wellington here? I would guess probably 30. Wow. Over, I started this after I brought my dog home. Then I realized when, you know, when I first brought her home, I had to keep her on a leash. She, they're very confused when they first get here. And they literally, like when they're on the leash, they'll pull you east. Like they want to go back to the Bahamas. They don't understand being here. Mm. It took about her about a week to understand that this was going to be her home, that she was actually going to live inside a house. And um, I just, when I started to understand the capacity of love that this dog had for me, I realized these dogs are living without anyone to love over there. So sad. And I do it, I do it for her because there's a lot more just like her over there that are being abused. You know, they, they treat them like they're rats. They, I had one come that had been thrown in a fire oh my God. and he didn't let it affect his personality at all. His, they named him Rocky cause he was tough. And when he came to me, he still had all the scabs on his feet and his ears. And he is the most loving dog. He ended up in D.C. Mm. And, you know, they all have a huge capacity for love. 
And I think they seem like that very emotional street dogs. Yes. Mm-hmm. Very empathetic. You know, mm-hmm. they understand when I'm in a bad mood and she'll just come put her head on my leg and just stare me right in the eye. Like, <laughs> Let's go do something. The eyes, yeah. The eye contact. I haven't had one person that adopted that hasn't been completely 100% in love with their dog. And no, right. usually the pot cakes, the, the, the way they get homed is because someone knows someone that has a pot cake because most people don't know what a pot cake is. So for people, if they want to help, you know, they can do as little as what, what would donations be? They go onto the website and it tells them how to help or how, how do people find Yeah, them? on the abacoshelter.org. Well, that's all really good information and people should definitely check out the website. Cindy, thank you so, so much for your time and also good luck showing this next week. Oh, uh, uh, thank you. <laughs> well, you guys check it out for sure. Cindy Elmore Griffith on Facebook and the website at the very least donate because this is not a widely known project, but it's growing. We're trying to spread the word. And if you can, if you have room in your home, adopt a pot cake. They're lovely dogs. Caroline loves her. So that has actually turned ginormous, but we love him yes, to death. You- He's huge. She's a pony. I know that's what she says all the time. She's fanatic. We love the pot cakes. And so this is right here in Wellington that it's happening. But thank you so much, Cindy, for your time. We really appreciate it. We'll check in with you later. You're so welcome. Okay. Bye, Bye, ladies. Bye. And we have our next guest here is Jay Duke, who is a Canadian equestrian, very accomplished. We actually had him on a show, a couple shows uh, a while ago. We thought it would be great to touch back in with him, kind of check in and see what's going on with his uh, virtual lesson subscription clinics and everything. So thank you and welcome to the show, Jay. Oh, thank you. And good morning to uh, all the horse riders and lovers out there. Yeah, thanks for making time for us. I know you're a busy, busy guy. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a good winter. Uh, December was busy. January was really busy, um, and we've had to deal with some weather issues, of course, at some of the clinics we travel to. So there's been some travel issues, um, but there's still people out riding even when it's uh, cold or wet. Or apparently, there's tornadoes somewhere now. It's uh, just one of those years for winter, but uh, we're, we're still getting the horses trained. Oh my gosh, it's got to be cold up there. Where are you again in in Canada? Um, I am in Western Canada. And the good thing about it is that most of the arenas that I work at are heated. They're insulated and heated. So it's actually generally warmer where I am to work than it is, say, on the East Coast, um, where many, you know, the temperatures may not be quite as cool. Um, The arenas are not heated or insulated. So work-wise, actually, it's pretty good, Um, as long as you're not outside at all (laughs) in your own day. But you have to travel because you do, you have quite a a long clinic schedule, don't you, Uh, even right through the winter? Yeah, well, we do average, you know, January had four clinics, um, you know, February had three. So we aver- average three to three and a half clinics per month. Um, but yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of travel involved, but that, that's okay. You get to meet new people and see new things. And that's always fun. That is, that's cool. Yeah. That's, that's gotta be interesting. Keeps you sharp, right? All different little things you're dealing with, with different horses, different types. 
I probably see, you know, approximately 80 horse rider combinations a month and some of them I've seen before and then some of them are new and it is, you know, it's fun to do the ones that you've seen before because then you can see the progress they made. It's very apparent with the people that have been working on what they were supposed to be working on when you see them again and then the other ones that have not. But for the most part, everyone works really hard and progresses nicely. Um, and then it is a big challenge to, to meet the, the new people and, and riders and horses. You need to, you know, within just a few minutes, um, be able to read, you know, that person, you need to be able to read that horse and decide on, okay, what are we going to work on here for the next two or three days to achieve our goal? So you get pretty, you get pretty quick at, uh, reading horse and rider personalities. Oh yeah. I'd- I think so. That's got to, yeah, because you just got to kind of get right to it. If you have, is are your normal clinics two days or do you vary? Do you do single day clinics as well? I do. Um, the average clinic is two days. Most people like to book weekends, you know, Saturday, Sunday, as far as for work and school schedules. Um, a lot of people have gone to do where we'll do two group days and we'll do one day that's private lessons. So whether that, you know, the third day, will be, you know, private or semi-private where we can be a little more specialized um, with the teaching program. So I guess probably the average clinic's about actually two and a half days would be what a lot of people do. But my schedule is flexible. There's some clinics will do, you know, 30 horses on the weekend and some will do 10. Um, and wow. I like to work with, with different people's schedules. Um, you know, some barns do a lot of big groups and some want to do a lot of private and semi-private and I think it's all productive and all good. And, and I, I work with whatever works best for that trainer. And do you primarily stay in Canada? Or do you come to the U S a bunch? What is kind of your, your loop if people are looking, or I guess they can check on your website, jduke.com and see what your schedule is, but what is your kind of, what does it kind of look like annually for you? The majority of your it, locations? It's probably about 60% U S 40% Canada. Um, would be, would be about the average. I don't really track it as far as that goes. Um, you know, there's a lot that I do West coast. That would be the primary, um, would like to get some more into the East coast, but, um, that hasn't to some of the East coast in Canada. We're looking at some dates, East, Eastern, um, Northern, uh, New York and Boston in that area. Um, but it's just working with people's schedules. It's horse trainers, um, are not always the most organized and the best <laughs> forward planners um, as far as that sort of thing. And so a lot of the, you know, these clinics get booked out three months to 12 months in advance um, and, and getting, you know, there's so people are so busy with their businesses to get them to look 12 months uh, in advance. Um, it's hard. Quite yeah. overwhelming for many. Yeah. Well, if you can't make it work to grab a clinic with Jay in person, you can participate in the virtual lesson subscription, right? Anybody can do that. Yes. The the new program, we launched it uh, last December. So I guess we're about 14, 15 months now into it. And I'm really happy with it. Uh, we've had great feedback and responses from it. We have everything from Grand Prix riders on it to amateur riders to lots of trainers, um, up to school horse teachers. There's, it really works for all levels. Um, the best part about it is, is it provides motivation for people for the week. So every Monday they get a new lesson plan in their inbox on their phone 
And then they're like, okay, great. This is what we're going to work on this week. It's uh, simple to read, uh, very quick and to the point, and it gives people, like I said, a focus for that week um, to, to move forward with their training. So when people, if they want to, again, the website, jduke.com, they would kind of be looking at different subscriptions. So it's parceled up by year, month to month, like this. You can do a la carte. And then you were saying that there's different levels, correct? Or, or, or um, uh, difficulty levels, essentially. There are three levels that we break it down into. There's novice, intermediate, and advanced. Truly, anybody can do any of them. You just adjust, whether it be the heights or whether it be the difficulty of the lesson. Uh, for instance, one that's just coming out um, is a gymnastic, and one version of it is where there's a vertical and then it's a bending two strides to an oxer and then bending two strides to another vertical. So it's kind of a bit of a half moon shape. Um, for the lower level people, we would, you take out that middle oxer. And so you just work on the half moon shape from vertical to vertical and working on that track. Um, for the intermediate level, you would do all three jumps. And then for an advanced level, you actually on both sides of the gymnastic add another one stride vertical. So now it becomes a five stride gymnastic, a one to a one to a two to a one to a one. And so the lessons are all kind of set up that way where it's a basic blueprint and plan um, it's for the trainers and the riders to say, okay, here's what how I'm going to take this plan and I can either follow it word to word, or I can adapt it best for my horses and my program. So, <clears throat> excuse me, when you get one of your uh, lesson plans, it basically, the, <clears throat> the, the receiver, whoever has bought the package and is getting their plans in their inbox, they can look and say, okay, this is the, they, they have all the information essentially. So they can say this level is where I'm at right now, but maybe they can revisit that exercise <clears throat> and do a more technical one or kind of build off of it over time. Oh, yes. We have people now that signed up at the start. So they've received over 50 lessons and they either have a file on their computer or some people print it off onto a piece of paper, prints off onto one sheet. So some people like to, to do it the paper route. And so they have a binder with the lessons and, and then hopefully they go back to them. Um, they're definitely good to do more than once. Um, and one of the reasons I created it was to create a library for people so they can say, okay, we want to work on lead changes. So now here's certain lessons and exercises to work on that, or we want to work on a young hunter, or we want to prepare for equitation finals or whatever it is. And, and then you can go and directly work. Here's exercises for those schedules. We also this year have created um, lesson modules. So people can go in and purchase say a four lesson module that is specifically geared for a certain issue. Um, and again, any of the issues we're talking about, whether it be equitation or hunters or, or jumpers um, to, to work directly on that, to improve that the most with your horse. So it's more specific um, and detailed for those people. So you can kind of like direct what your lessons are in a way. Yes, you can. Like, right, you know, with the, the, the subscription service, 
it's like an Easter egg every, every Monday, you're not quite sure what's coming. And I try to touch on a lot of different parts of the training. Um, you know, we'll work on, and then the winter stuff more for indoors and then the outdoors, um, in the summertime more for outdoor work and that sort of thing. But you're able to now, um, diversify and say, okay, I specifically want to work on this type of exercise or this type of issue with my program. And then you can purchase those lessons. Oh, that's great. That does make it, I mean, that's really, really huge improvement. I mean, it makes you much more interactive and being able to get what they need because it is hard. I mean, you know, it's, it's expensive, obviously the travel and everything to get to the, get to clinics, obviously would everybody get so much out of it for sure. And if you have the opportunity, definitely go on Jay's website and see where his clinics are because he's a fabulous teacher and you're definitely going to, going to progress. But if you can't swing it, I mean, what a great opportunity to have for a fraction of the price, this information coming in and, and some guidance and overview, like you're saying. And the best part about it is the proceeds go to charity, go to two wonderful charities in Just World International and to Yachty's Village, um, which I happily support. They're, they're well run and they do great work out there. So um, I think I think to me, that's the best part of the whole program right there. That is really good. I didn't realize that. Oh, yeah, I see it here on your on your website. That's great. Wow. What is the Yachty's Village Charities? Riotti's Village was started by Jennifer Crooks, who rode for the Irish team. She's an American lady, and she's a wonderful, wonderful girl. She's based out of Sandpoint, Idaho, and her husband, Mike Crooks, um, run Riotti's Village over in Africa, and they've done amazing things. Actually, even in the past month, they've won awards for the work that they're doing. I think they were voted the top charity in their area out of 50, and in they're doing a great, great results. She's um, very motivated. A lot of people on the West Coast know Jennifer. A lot of people in Florida would know her too. As I said, she did compete. Yeah, um, yeah, I know the name for for Ireland, and it's uh, a fantastic uh, service to get behind. Um, and definitely, it's very honest and open, and and everything's going in the right direction. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, I hadn't heard of it. I'll have to look into that more. Maybe we'll have to have you and Jennifer back on uh, one of these days and, and learn more about it. That's great. Uh, well, you guys are pretty busy, I guess, between the clinics and, and getting all of these lessons uh, organized, which I know it takes a lot of time and a lot of thought, but you're very, very good at that. Um, so you guys definitely have to check that out. So you have a blog here too on your website. What is that about? Um, I do have a blog. Sometimes I like to say what's on my mind. And put <laughs> Which is a good, we love that quality about you. <laughs> Keep it up. <laughs> um, yeah, we did uh, an article re- last month on Vanessa Mannix, who is uh, a young Canadian team rider up and coming, who's been wonderful for the horse sport. And the focus of that interview was on the importance of, of good coaching. Um, her current coach is Connor Swale and, and they're having a lot of success worldwide. So that was that was the latest one that came out. And sometimes we'll touch on topics which are a little bit controversial, um, and I will express my opinion on that and look for interesting feedback. I do have an article that just recently came out in the Chronicle of the Horse regarding concussions, and that was one I'm very proud of. Um, it is not up on my site yet. We're just waiting for the Chronicle to give us permission for it to go onto social media. Three years ago, I did one on rider safety at horse shows and how horse shows were not protecting the riders. Um, there's been a lot of positive changes in that direction. Uh, riders are much better protected than they were still not at all 
to the level that they should be. Still, there's a lot of things that are missed in that regard compared to what's happening in other sports, but it has greatly improved. And so I'm very happy to see that. Uh, this article that just came on the Chronicle is about my personal experience with concussions and the effects it had on me. The Chronicle asked me to write the article and I was very intimidated by that. I didn't know if that was a good idea and even how to do that. Um, so it took a lot of, a lot of time, several months for me to really process through that and decide if I wanted to do it, um, should I do it and, and how, and I'm really happy with it. And I've had amazing responses and letters from people talking about, um, appreciating that I've talked about my experiences and, and I'm hoping that if there are people out there that need to, or would like to get some help or need a little help that there, it, it definitely exists. And I'm hoping this article motivates them to, to seek that out. Oh, that's great. That's such a, an under, uh, addressed topic. It's, it's getting better, but yeah. And you're, you know, I think you've really put so much of your energy into promoting, uh, a correct training process, ideologies, good horsemanship, and really getting it out there. And by putting your attention out primarily on the clinics and your uh, your uh, subscriptions for the lessons and everything like this, I mean, that's a full-time job. Like, it's so hard. Like you're saying, it's hard, obviously, for the uh, hunter-jumper trainers or whatever trainers to book the clinics that far ahead. I mean, it's like you're so busy uh, doing everything else. So for you to able to be able to put your full attention on really – making the sport better. I mean, it's really awesome and you've already done it tremendously, but yeah, I can't wait to read the concussion. Well, you know, I think last time uh, that, that you were on, uh, I was recovering from a bad concussion. I didn't even do the show for a couple of months. Cause I was like, uh, I could just forget where we are, <laughs> you know, like yeah. halfway through, like who knows what could happen. We certainly don't need to have this recorded <laughs> until I'm better, but yeah, I can't wait to read that. When is that going to come out? Well, it is out. Uh, the Chronicle had published two weeks ago in the Chronicle. Okay. Um, it was in their rider health issue. Um, okay. And it was under the, I think it's called My Rounds, or it's, it's the one where they allow the trainers to, to talk in there. Okay. Um, so I believe it, it got released two weeks ago. As far as social media, um, I assume it will come out in the next week or two, but um, I have not yet heard on that. Oh yeah, that's awesome. So you guys can check that out on the Chronicle website then. Um, and then wait for the rest of it. Well, just before we wrap here, just to give people a little taste, if they don't already know you and your great training, uh, kind of, you could give us a little, a little riding lesson, a training lesson, something that you want to share. That's maybe a, a hot topic right now or something you've been working on, um, or pet peeve or, or anything. We're all ears. Well, recently in the last few months, you know, I've been working on a system to try to talk about my how I rode the horses and, and make it easy for other people to understand. And I've always really focused on straightness and two legs and two reins. But there was there's some horses that are quite difficult as far as their track. You know, some of them are so very athletic and they're able to evade the riders and, and, and get crooked to the jumps. And then as a result, the rhythm is lost. And then as a result, it's very hard to find the jumps when you don't have track and rhythm. So started with this um, international horse that I was working with in, at the Las Vegas November show. And she's, she's such a twisting, athletic, hot, hot mare. And working on, how, okay, how are we going to get this horse straight? It was just such a huge challenge. And what I 
started to come up with there now, and I'm hoping I've gotten to, to the perfection part of it through the last 10 clinics, <laughs> is working on, everyone's familiar with the term inside leg to outside rein. Um, and that is a good term, but it's only partially correct. The, the key is to have outside rain at all times. That's what we call the bearing rain, and that's because it bears the responsibility of track and pace. If you have outside rain, and I tend, I like to open it a little bit with that outside rain through the turns, then the next step is to get an inside flexion on your horse, and you get that done with your inside leg. When you have outside rain and inside flexion, you have complete control of your horse. The horse cannot get away from you. They immediately relax and soften through their body and they can, you can do whatever you want with them. Um, and the horses love it because horses are flight animals and they want to be, they want to feel that everything is okay and controlled and they don't want to be in a panic situation. Most riders ride on the inside aids most riders ride, uh, most horses ride on the inside as well with their balance. The more you can get the balance to the outside with the rider and with the horse, uh, the more power you have, the more security you have, the better canter you have, then hence the better jump you have. So what we're really focusing on these days is outside rain with inside flexion and a slight inside flexion. And if you achieve that, um, you'll be able to do whatever you want with your horse at any time. Yeah, that's interesting. That's a really great way that you put it for sure, because you see uh, the false kind of overbending to the inside when the kids or adults or whatever are pulling on the inside rein and they're just spilling out to the outside there. Uh, or you can sometimes see the opposite too, or they're holding on the outside rein too much, right? And then they're bent to the outside. But that's interesting the way you put it with a slight inside flexion. So it's all of those things. Yeah, no, that is, that is the key is it's outside opening rain slightly with um, slight inside flexion. And the moment you do it, you can see it in every horse. And we've, I've worked, there's a few horses I've worked with for several years. Like I said, that horse that was in Vegas that were really tough. And now that we've gone to this, they're just like, they're beautiful. They're like children's hunters jumping around a Grand Prix field. Um, they, it's amazing the rideability that you can achieve that way. That's awesome. I'm going to practice that this week too. That's I didn't sign up for the training sessions yet, but you've given me my overview for the week anyways. I've got something to work on on everybody. Well, you guys check it out. Go to jduke.com. You can get all the info on what he's doing in the lesson planning. And now you can hear a little bit of his uh, amazing training, sort of verbiage and making it clear. And obviously so much information, wealth of information. Thank you so much again, Jay, for taking the time to talk to us again. We'll have you on soon and go through some more stuff. You're at the training. I can't wait till we can get you down here too. We want to be able to do some clinics. Uh, I love the way you train. It's, it's a breath of fresh air for sure. Okay. Thank you so much for having me on and have a wonderful day. See you later, Jay. Good luck with everything. Well, that was great hearing from Jay Duke. Always a treat. He's got so much great information and training experience. You guys take take advantage while you can. Having that online is is awesome. And we have the tip for the week. Yeah. So great, right? In your inbox. I mean, how cool is that? I mean, even just the way that he articulates, you know, the outside rain and all of this, it's just so precise. Um, and I think it's also very uh, simply put, you know, so like it, it, it's helpful for all level riders. Um, it's accessible. So no, that was awesome. So we'll have him on again in the future. And we have 
Our title sponsor is Sequestrian, and they have a couple interesting new things going on. Availability with the shirts. You guys can check that out online. Facebook, ECE Equestrian Apparel, or ECEEquestrianco.com. And one of the new exciting things is that uh, everybody has been able to offer a faster turnaround and a lower minimum on custom shirts, which is so much fun. The IEA, IHSA, Team Barn logos, company logos, whatever you all want, you can put on the inside of the collar. And those for a slight uh, increase in price, uh, which you can confirm the price on ECEEquestrianco.com because they're just finalizing it. This is all brand new, hot out of the press info. But they have a turnaround with just like a week or two, which is incredible. So you can get a custom logo, get your shirts with the small minimums, five or six pieces, even less, uh, and have a quick turnaround. So that, I think, is going to really speed things up, getting the shirts out there. Wrinkle-treated, stain-treated. Uh, check them out. Check them out online. And then next, we're going to play a song for you. Horses, Girls and Horses, Templeton Thompson. Enjoy. Well, she talks about them, dreams about them. Thinks about him all the time She's got to have him Be lost without him You can see it in her eyes What is it? What is it with girls and horses? She says Now when I was a young girl They were my whole world They were my one safe place Now that I'm older Still lean on their shoulders I still feel like that girl some days What is it? What is it with girls and horses?
And last but not least, we have our Q&As. We're running out of time today, so we're just going to do one. We're going to save the rest that we have for next month. But we have our question here, which uh, is from Sam Dorney, one of our listeners. My mare is very high-headed, both lunging and under saddle. What are some groundwork and riding exercises other than using the Pessoa system to help her relax so that she can stretch down and have more lateral, lateral flexion softness? She has a very smart, sensitive, alert, but not overly spooky horse. She has a nice forward gait, but can be very bracy, stiff, both vertically and laterally, and will rush around instead of settling into a calm, steady pace. Well, first off, what Jay said, definitely. Yes. Yes, for sure. Well, first off, almost my first thing was thinking just, I mean, I'm assuming that all these things have been done, but just checking the physical, making sure the teeth are good, the back, you know, just doing kind of a physical just once over and make sure that your, your management is up to par. And once that's settled, then exactly. Yes. The outside rain, what Jay said is super, super helpful. Um, I think the spiral exercises, I know Caroline, you do a lot of those with your horses, uh, going even do that as simply as just in a halter if you want to take away all uh, kind of extra equipment um, mm-hmm. just go in a halter yeah. and start in a very small circle and with your lunge line encourage inside flexion and move mm-hmm. the circle bigger smaller and eventually they will trot around at the end with their nose on the floor yeah, they want to be there for sure it's, it's comfortable stretch out the back and everything and then if you want to do that riding I find it's uh, pretty successful having a wider hand for those stretching flexion, maybe a touch longer rein um, to just kind of encourage them to wrap around. But it's got to be, the rhythm's got to be methodical if this is the source. You had mentioned, um, you know, if you don't have a PSOA system and you want to encourage with uh what did you call it the bungee oh yeah those bungees are great i mean you can even make them if you want to do a budget just get those really big long the longest bungees really that you can find and you can tie knots in them and change them or whatever and you'd get two of them hook one to each side uh of the halter and under the elbow and over the back or what i prefer to do is put a surcingle on and hook them to the surcingle and through the bit and then hook them together on the pole of the horse so that you actually get downward pressure. Um, I prefer that than the sort of hobble thing because I don't like all those pressure points. But the over the crown piece of the bridle, they don't feel the buckles. You can even put a fuzzy on there so that they're not pressure. But yeah, I love those. Or you can just go buy the neck stretcher uh, device, you know, at Dover, those, but the bungee thing, whatever you like. But those are nice to kind of encourage them to stretch. And then when they do go down there, then it disappears. So it's pressure release, which is why I don't really love side reins and stuff like that. Uh, the Pessoa right. is, is, is okay. But yeah, no, that, that stuff is great. The bending and just gently uh, changing direction. Um, you well, can even- if you're comfortable and, you know, knowledgeable enough, draw reins when used correctly, mm-hmm. they definitely keep the head carriage where you want it. Absolutely. And if it's a forward, it depends on the horse. Sometimes I feel like they stretch better when I really punch out the trot and really get them trucking forward and, and with the wide hand and bending them around the inside leg gently and then switching directions, spiraling like that. And then some of them are quicker to get long and low out of a really slow putsy trot. So that kind of depends on your horse. 
Um, but they'll let you know when they're kind of ready to stretch. But the changing of the bend is nice, too, to come across a short diagonal with a wide hand and over the course of, say, four or five trot steps, gradually move the horse laterally over and switch the new bend, encouraging them to stretch and then go back on a circle. Um, I think all of those flat work stretching and we don't specify here if this is a if we're doing jumping correct did i miss Uh, something i think this is a little bit i don't know maybe just i don't know she says we'll rush around instead of settling into a calm steady pace so whether that's the flat or jumping but obviously for sure you want to address on the flat first and then once you get it the bending and the relaxing sometimes they are more receptive when you're in a lighter seat too if you build your way up to the canter and you get them stretching a little half seat with the wide hand and stretching and then you can slowly start incorporating poles and things like that but well, and the, the, if you raise your trot poles they will naturally poke their nose out and down right that's a good point them. mm-hmm yeah, that's good too. And maybe starting to make them a little bit longer, but not too long so they don't rush. Yeah, Those are all that's, good. That's mainly it. I think that's kind of it, you know, and you take your time and the horse will tell you the rest. Yeah. But definitely check in with us, try a few of those things. And anybody, we love the questions and, and love to help, even horse management, things like that. Um, so you guys keep them coming. And that was that was a, a good packed show. I loved hearing from Cindy and always from Jay. Super fun. And we will check in with you all Tuesday of next month. Thanks for having us again and listening.